0: Somebody that's looking for a miracle, why don't you just reach up and claim it tonight. Come on, it's yours, it's yours, it belongs to you. Hallelujah. Hey, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, how many believe that you can leave here tonight with a miracle, signs and wonders? The song says they're all over my life and they're all over my life right now. I don't have to wait till next week. Next month, next year, I can get a miracle tonight. I can get a breakthrough tonight. There's a blessing with my name on it and it's mine tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Book of Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter thirteen. I uh, I know it'd be easy to shout this out here. This is a shouting church, and uh, and I'm a shouting preacher. But I, I like. There's an issue I have. Bishop Williams says I like to preach a little bit more than I like to shout. And so, please forgive me tonight if you feel like I quench the spirit but I feel like I've got a word from God that's burning in my heart and I want to obey the Holy Ghost tonight and speak what thus saith the Lord. As I said this morning, I really feel like uh, there are some people tonight that are here that have potential to do great things for God. And if you remain in the place that you're in, you will see things, but you will not see it to its extent. I feel to issue a challenge in the Holy Ghost tonight the word of God will do two things every time that you hear it if you will let it it will change you and it will challenge you and if the word of God does not change you and does not challenge you then you might ought to check your spirit because you have a spirit that can't be changed and can't be challenged every time I come to church I want God to change me and I want him to challenge me to go to another level. Give honor tonight to the wonderful ministry of this church. My friends, So I love so very much and appreciate and I'm thankful for the day that God uh, connected me to the Williams family. I was talking to my wife this afternoon or maybe it was yesterday. I said, I can't ever remember not knowing Brother Williams. So we've just got a kindred spirit. And I know I did not grow up knowing him, but I just, I don't ever remember not knowing him. And um, so I'm, I'm thankful that God connected us. And for such a time as this, in Hebrews chapter 13, and verse 15, the writer, I tend to believe it's Paul. And there is a lot of debate of who is the writer of the book of Hebrews, and so if I slip up today and say Paul said instead of the writer said, please forgive me uh, if you disagree that he is the author. But whoever the writer is, they write at this moment as it is coming to a close in the book of Hebrews, and he says, by him, therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. And then he tells us what it is. He says, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I just simply want to preach for the next few moments today under the unction of the Holy Ghost, the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise. Come on, when somebody clap their hands, lift your voice and praise him. Would you just stick your hands in the air now and let's pray together. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. God, we worship you and give you glory. There is nobody like you, not in heaven and not in the earth. I pray, God, today that you would have your way in this house. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost flow through this place. God, touch us. Touch us with a fresh anointing from heaven. Change us and challenge us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Clap your hands unto the Lord one more time. Give him praise. Come on, when somebody lift your voice while you're clapping your hands. Magnify the name of the Lord that's above every other name. His name is exalted in all the earth. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. The writer here, again, regardless of who it is, is taking time, as a teacher would to his pupil, to write a letter to the Hebrew people and teaching them the ways of redemption. The Hebrew people are the Old Testament people of God, and now they are learning how to live in a New Testament dynamic. They have followed, their ancestors have followed the cloud by day, the fire by night. Their ancestors have picked up manna from the wilderness. Their ancestors have picked up, have went across Jordan and fought against Jericho, Brother Hammonds, and they have walked with God, and now there is a new generation that. The writer is trying to teach them how to follow in this new way that God has created by preparing himself as a sacrifice. He begins by telling them that Christ is greater than the angels and to these wonderful people that for generations that have followed after the Lord that wasn't that hard to comprehend for them Christ is greater than the angels. Yes, he is. He is a mighty, mighty man. But then uh, the writer takes it a step farther and he begins to dig into uh, the heart of what was keeping many Hebrew people from coming into this new birth salvation. Then he begins to give them a little bit of the deeper matter, a larger pill to swallow, if you will, when he simply and quite boldly states that Christ is greater than Moses. Now again, I want you to remember these are the people that followed Moses out of Egypt. These are the people that watched Moses bring water from the rock. And these are the people that watched him pray and quail would fill the camp. And this is the launching point from whence the author can solidify many other chapters and words that Jesus had already spoken and set in order when he said, I came not to condemn the law but to fulfill the law. So understand that Moses was a faithful servant as this man, but this man Jesus uh, is worthy of more glory than Moses was because Moses brought you out of Egypt but Jesus brought you out of sin and Moses delivered you from the taskmaster but Jesus delivered you from the weight of your own condemnation uh, Moses had you apply the blood over your doorpost uh, but Jesus had you apply the blood uh, over your heart uh, and so he said I want you to give this straight right now Moses was great uh, but Jesus is greater uh, Moses was strong but Jesus was stronger Moses was a deliverer but Jesus is the great deliverer so he's, he's dealing with this this old mindset and since Jesus is greater there has to be some changes not only is Jesus greater than Moses but he is a priest after the order of Melchizedek and a more excellent priest than Aaron and again since he is greater there is some changes that must be made so he tells us in in Hebrews chapter 10 that it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats that they should take away sin so a body was prepared and now we have the boldness to enter in into the holy place by the blood of Jesus so he writes let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering and then he says for he is faithful that promised he was letting us know that Moses might have failed you and Aaron might have failed you but Jesus won't fail you he was letting us know that the priest might have let you down but we have a new high priest and he will not fail can I get a witness tonight anybody that knows that Jesus won't fail he's never failed from. From the beginning uh, and at the end of time, he still will not have failed. Uh, he's a perfect God. Hallelujah! There he is. A shift that is happening here where the writer is leading these people that for generations have followed the law of Moses to understand the fulfillment of that same law. The law says to bring an animal sacrifice pure in color, unblemished within and without. And I don't have time to preach that but the priest is to inspect the sacrifice and to lay it upon the altar but now there is a shift that has happened that Christ has become that sacrifice and he has become the high priest. It was all in him. The sacrifice that you needed and the priest you needed to take the sacrifice to the Lord. It was all wrapped up in the man, Christ Jesus. Now Christ has become the sacrifice. However, before this letter is finished, something happens that lets the Hebrew people know that just because the dynamics have changed And the formalities have changed that you are still required to bring a sacrifice. We are turning away from the days of blood of bulls and goats that no longer can turn away sin but and so he's teaching them that you don't have to show up every Sunday once a year or even uh, with an animal sacrifice and you don't have to stand there and experience the shame of having your sin called out in front of everybody you don't you don't have to go through that anymore he said but you better get this straight right here and right now just because the formality has changed uh, does not mean that God does not require of each and every individual a sacrifice he said but now this sacrifice it's a sacrifice of praise it's the fruit of our lips let me just preach to you right now and tell you it's a good thing for you to come to church and lift your voice it's in order for you to come to church and shout it's in order for you to come to church and dance I don't feel like it every service but I come and I do it because I know that God God requires of me the sacrifice of praise. I don't always feel like running, but I run anyway because I know God requires of me the sacrifice of praise and it is the fruit of my lips. However, you know, according to Luke chapter six, Jesus is teaching we understand that you don't get fruits if you don't have roots Jesus says from the abundance of the heart the man speaketh can I take my time tonight he says, I want you to understand that what comes out of your mouth is a direct representation of what's in your spirit. And so when the writer says that the sacrifice, the praise is the fruit of our lips, we must understand that it's not just lip service, but it comes from somewhere deep down on the inside. I'm just telling you, I don't praise God just from my lips. I praise him from my heart. I don't just do it because it's what we do on Sunday night, but I do it because there's a place in my heart that I've planted seed in the ground, and there's roots there, so I can give him the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of my lips, because I have roots planted in my heart. (laughs) Leading me to believe. That this whole ideology of sacrifice is more than just sweating through a suit on a Sunday night. It's more than just coming and running the aisles. This sacrifice of praise, Bishop, it's, it's more than just going through the motions. See, I, I, I told you I was coming for you tonight and because there's people in this house that have learned how to blend in. You've learned how to give God somewhat to where you look like everybody else and you shout like everybody else, but my praise cannot be just an outward show of affection. (laughs) Let me just tell you, when, when you start saying, now remember, these are the Hebrews, Brother Collins. These are the people that understand when you say sacrifice, it's more than just a little shout to them. So they, they understand because when, when they need an explanation, they go to Moses, but when they need an example, they go to Abraham. Anytime the Hebrew people needed somebody to show them what to do, they they looked to Moses when they needed somebody to come in and say, "This is what this means, and this is how God said it." And this, but when they needed somebody to look at to show them an example, they looked to Abraham. And so these people understood that that this sacrifice business, this this sacrifice of praise, they had a revelation better than you and I. But I, I believe that God's going to give us some help tonight and we're going to get a grasp on it, but they understood that for in order for it to be a sacrifice, uh, that something had to die. Uh, And can I preach to you tonight uh, that the sacrifice of praise uh, is not just dancing and shouting uh, and running the aisles, uh, but the sacrifice of praise uh, comes from a place uh, where something gets laid on the altar uh, and it dies. Uh, Can I preach to you tonight that that thing that has to lay on the altar, unfortunately, it's you. There has to be a place where if praise is for real, that you lay yourself on the altar and you die. You give up your hopes. You give up your dreams. You give up all of your plans. And you say, God, your will be done in the It's not about me, it's not about my plan, but I'm laying it all on the, come on, I was preaching a lot better a while ago and I had some of you with me then, but I'm telling you, you gotta get on board with this too because you can't shout and you can't dance if you haven't died first. A sacrifice is not a sacrifice as long as something's still living. all right sacrifice isn't a real sacrifice as long as your wheels still living and that's why we got people that are backsliding going to hell while they're sitting on the church pew because they're coming to church and praising so-called praising God but they haven't died it's it, can I tell you tonight it is possible to feel goosebumps and still be lost It is possible, I'm preaching to you. It's possible to run the aisles and still be lost. It's possible to sing in the choir and still be lost. I'm going to go even farther than that. It's possible to get behind this pulpit and preach the wonderful blessings of God and still be lost. If you haven't died, you got to get back and you got to do it right. You got to go to the beginning. If you want God to hear your sacrifice, something has to to die. Again, when God's people need an example, they always look to Abraham. And we can't preach about sacrifice without talking about Abraham. But I'm not just talking about any old sacrifice. I'm talking about the sacrifice of praise. Because this is a generation that has grown up hearing good preaching about Isaac. Isaac. And being stressed out on the altar. And we have been told to put it all on the altar. And we're going to come to that here in a little bit. But these people understood that there is an order to sacrifice. It's line upon line. And precept upon precept. And we got a lot of people trying to put Isaac on the altar that have never dealt with Ishmael first. Because you can't read about Isaac without reading about Ishmael. What does that have to do with the sacrifice of praise? It has everything to do with it because before God ever called Abraham up to the mountain in Genesis chapter 22, Abraham had to send the thing that he created out of the will of God away in Genesis chapter 21. Can I preach to you tonight that you can't even get to the place where you can give God the sacrifice of praise? if you don't learn how to deal with the things that you created out of the will of God. We got people coming to church wanting God to deal with all of our problems, but that ain't how it works. I know this isn't popular preaching but I'm just going to tell you that's not how it works and the greatest detriment of this generation is we have learned how to come to the altar and we've learned how to lay Isaac down but we're still letting Ishmael ride around on our back. We've learned how to come to church with a praise and with a shout and with a dance but everywhere we go we've got Ishmael tucked up under our arm. Abraham, if you're going to get to the mountain that God's called you to go to you've got to send out the stuff that you create. you created this problem now you got to deal with this problem but well, I just think Jesus ought to fix it I just think Jesus ought to deal with this Jesus said it like this if you come to the altar with a gift and you got all with your brother leave your gift at the altar am I in the book? and go deal with the stuff that you messed up and then come back to the, that's, that's Ishmael and Isaac right there. God will not accept Isaac as long as you're carrying around Ishmael. When you serve God within the lines, the boundaries of the promises, he will deal with every problem that comes your way. But the moment you step outside of the boundaries of God, That is no longer God's responsibility to deal with your problem. I'm going to preach this all the way through because you could take that and go out of context with it and say well Brother Phillips doesn't believe God can help my problem. No, you stay to the end of this service. I believe that God can handle every issue that you have but there's order to this and just because it happened in the Old Testament and now we're living in a new dispensation doesn't mean that the order is over. It doesn't mean that it's done and we don't do those things anymore. There's still an order to sacrifice and the first order is you got to start dealing with the stuff uh, that you created. You've got, the Bible says that it grieved Abraham. Uh, that means it broke him up. Uh, Abraham was burdened because uh, he had to send it out of the camp. Uh, I'm preaching to somebody tonight uh, that's been coming to church uh, and saying that the sacrifice of praise doesn't work. Uh, honey, it works. You're just doing it wrong. Uh, and You're trying to keep one foot in praise and worship uh, and one foot but in Ishmael's world, you're trying to hold on to Isaac with one hand and Ishmael with the other, but you can't have your cake and eat it too, honey. You gotta let one of them go if you're gonna be called to the mountain. You gotta let Ishmael go if you're gonna see the miracle. This is revealed in Leviticus. I believe it's chapter 16. As God says, you call, you call the people into the camp and on the day of atonement, Bishop Williams is gonna get up and he's going to profess the sin of Israel on the head of a goat. There's gonna be two goats. One's gonna be driven into the wilderness and one's gonna be laid on the altar. But you can't get to the altar until you confess the sin. Now, I, I, I want to show you how good we got it in church today. I want you to see really how good it is and I want you to see, I, I know somebody here today, they're dealing with the spirit of condemnation but you, you, don't have, you don't even know what that's really about until you showed up at church and Bishop Williams gets in the pulpit and says today we are speaking the sins of everyone in the church. I got a feeling if that was a scheduled deal, it'd be really slim pickings in here on Sunday morning. Because ain't nobody wants their dirty laundry aired out. But if you wanted God to not turn away from Israel, this was a part of the process. You come to church, Aaron's going to stand in the pulpit, and he's going to go down the row of every family. He's going to deal with the shame One by one by one. Walk down your row and tell everywhere you've been and everything you've done in the last year. Don't you think for a moment we ain't got it good, honey. And then that that beast, that goat is to be given to the hand of a fit man. I wish I knew who this fit man was. The Bible doesn't tell us who the fit man is. It says, but the fit man is to take this goat and to drive him into the wilderness. I'm just a country boy. and I, You used to have some goats. What was Dolce and Gabbana or something like that? Let me tell you about goats. They always come back to where they've been fed. And the goat that's bearing the sin of Israel The Bible says that there's a man that has a job. He has to get the goat lost without getting lost himself because a goat is one of the animals that has the best sense of direction. And so what God says is I need somebody that can take this thing, this thing that you've been carrying around. I need somebody that's fit. I need somebody that understands it's not just about the noise and it's not just about the shouting and the dancing. That's a part of it. But the sacrifice of praise begins by taking the things that you created out of the will of God and driving them into the wilderness. Do you not see how this parallels to Ishmael and Isaac? Because where does Abraham send Ishmael? He sends him into the wilderness. This is the two goats of Leviticus chapter 16 being played out. As one is driven away and one is laid on the altar, that's Ishmael and Isaac. And what God was showing them is that you have to go through the step. I know I'm driving this home tonight. I know I'm I'm I know I'm trying tonight to get your attention because I want you to understand that praise really does work, worship really does work, but you have got to go through the order. I thought if I just shouted, it would disappear. No, baby, that ain't how it works. I thought if it just if I just ran around the aisles, I could run away from my problem. No, you gotta run your problem out of town. Don't be, oh, can I just preach like we in 2023? Don't come to the altar crying because you can't get over pornography when you'll leave a church service and go sit down and put yourself in the situation to open the door back up. Don't come to church crying and begging God, Oh, Jesus, please deliver me when he's delivered you time and time again. And you like a swine going back to his swallow. You go right back like a dog going back to his vomit. You go right back to the same place and start hanging out with the same people. I'm trying to save somebody's soul tonight and get you to understand you can't just come in here and blend in with the crowd. You can't just come in here and go through the motions. You want to see the People that are blessed when they praise, uh, than the people that figured out, I've got to take this burden uh, and I've got to drive this out uh, and I've got to deal with the things that I have created an appetite for. That's why we got people that are looking at God and saying, God doesn't deliver anymore. God still delivers. God still delivers. But the reason why, and, and I know we talk about the way it used to be, the reason why when it used to be the way that it was, people would come in and they would leave this different than they came. is because they made up my mind. I'm not listening to that anymore. I'm not going to those places anymore. I'm not looking at that anymore. I'm not talking to those people anymore. I'm all in. That's. I want you to be saved, but it comes through the process got an improper analogy of what the altar is Pentecost has an improper analogy of what an altar is we've got it in our mind that the altar is the place that we come and dump all of our problems and you better hear me please do not take this out of context you bring every burden you have to the Lord But Bishop, everything in Scripture that has to do with the altar, God said, you bring it to me pure. You bring it to me perfect. So we've, the reason why we've got this improper analogy is we have bought into the lie that the devil has fed us, that the altar is a place that we come and we dump our sin. And I've come to preach to you tonight that that is not what the altar is for. The altar is not a place for your sin. The altar is a place for yourself. It's a powerful place but I'm telling you something happens while when you're sitting in the pew and you begin to grip the back of the pew until your knuckles turn white God, I'm sorry when you get up here to this holy place you were on it a couple weeks ago Brother Williams, there's something special about the altar that you can't get anywhere else in the church but before you come up here you better approach it the right way purify yourself and walk Oh God, and when you get to the altar, you lay down yourself. God, here I am. Here's my hopes. Here's my. Here's everything I am. Abraham, I didn't ask you to bring Ishmael to the altar. I asked for Isaac. And that's why we got so many people. They dance, but they're not delivered. And they leap, but they're full of less. And they're running the aisles, but they're still running from the calling because they're trying to put Ishmael on the altar and presume that just because something's up there that God will take any old thing. Can I tell you that they wandered in the wilderness and in moments God would turn away from them and they would stay right there apart for years at a time because somebody brought something that was impure to the house of God and to the altar. I know, I know, I can feel that. I, I felt that little pushback right there, Brother Phillips We we like you a whole lot better when you're shouting us and when you're dancing us. Now I, I'm telling you, you come back next week. We'll shout and we'll dance, we'll hang from the chandeliers. But right now, I'm trying to break somebody out of the mold of you having to backslide every six months. I'm trying to break somebody out of a mold of secret sin. I'm trying to break somebody out of the mold of church on Sunday night and the club on Friday night, and then you come. Come in acting like you saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to break somebody out of the mold of filling filling yourself with Hollywood and the junk of this world, and then want to walk up here and act like you got it all together. Honey, if you're going to do it the right way, if you want God to accept your sacrifice, it has to be done right. He put your worst on the cross. Your sin, He put that on the cross. Your dysfunction, God put that on the cross when He who knew no sin became sin. Your sin was put on the cross so that you could put your best on the altar. Uh, preacher, you, you don't know. God, I feel goosebumps. <laughs> you don't know. You, no, nobody can judge me. Listen to me. You listen to me good. Sister, Sister Tabitha, you, I think it was you that quoted it this morning. Somebody did. Some men's sin come after them. And some men's sin go before them. And what happens when you learn to just come to church with Ishmael and Isaac is you are delaying the fact that your sin is coming behind you. I don't want my sin to show up after me at the judgment because I'm going to tell you something. You're going to have to get up early in the morning but you might fool Bishop Williams and you get up really early and you might fool first lady but let me tell you something. You ain't going to fool God. You might come to church and shout so that the deacons and the ushers think you're okay. But God looks from a different perspective and God sees what's in your heart and God sees what's going on in your world. Say, preacher, how's this gonna change the trajectory of this church? Because some of these people have a revelation of what I'm preaching right now. And what God's trying to do is build a bigger foundation of people that have an understanding that I can't just live for God any old way I, I can't just come to church any old way I, I gotta do it right I, I gotta do it holy I, I gotta do it in reverence unto the Lord me and Brother JJ was talking about it the other night when I was a kid they has, used to have them tarrying services where God people they would come in and they would tarry and they would tarry and then I remember, I I'll ever forget the first time I seen, they, they, they called it purging. God would purge them. I'd look at them and say, God, don't purge me. I don't like the way that look. I don't look too good. Let me just tell you, the way you deal with sin, it don't ever look pretty. All that dancing and shouting, and I do it with you every service so you know where I'm at. That's pretty. But the sacrifice of praise doesn't look pretty. It's bloody. Something's died on the altar. You think for one moment that those animals, as they're dragged to the altar, didn't put up a fight, Brother Collins? That's why they had rings to the side of the altar. One was for the purpose of the the priest being able to carry it, but another one was so that they could tie that animal up to the altar. And while he's kicking and bucking and trying to get away, the priest wouldn't get injured. While he walked up, I mean, I, I want you to understand, it was bloody, it was gory. He stuck the knife to his throat and he cut his throat and he drained the blood out of the animal and sprinkled it upon the altar as that animal began to die it wasn't a quick death and and I understand what you think but the way this happened they they literally drown in their own blood there for a few moments and if you think for one moment that your experience with getting rid of sin is going to be any different then honey you've lost your mind because it's bloody it's gory it's a moment in time where you're wailing and you're whining because you're not getting your way But if you want your praise to have power, it's a part of the process. If you want to give God the sacrifice of praise, it's a part of the process. When you come to my altar, God said, you bring the best of everything you got. When you walk up into my house, You don't bring Ishmael because I don't have a covenant with Ishmael. You bring Isaac and you lay Isaac out on the altar. (laughs) Just feel like telling somebody right now that if you would just relinquish control and put it all on the altar, things would change for you in a way that would absolutely blow your mind if you would just relinquish control and say God here it is I've been trying to run my own finances. I've been trying to run my own business. I've been trying to run my own marriage. I've been trying to fix my kids and it's all dysfunctional and nothing's working right. That's because you haven't learned how to take the best of everything you got and put it on the... This promise business only works if it's ran through the altar. This the, the promises of God that are yay and amen, they only work if it's ran through the function of the altar. Well, could I just keep some back, no? I'm sorry you can't. Can I just hold on to some for me, no? It's not how it works. What if what if I brought God more in qual in quantity, but less in quality? It's not how it works. If it's not all on the altar, God doesn't recognize it. I know we live in a generation that wants to make everybody feel good, but that's not my job. I know we live in a generation that makes everybody want to feel like as long as you come to church and you put a little money in the offering plate and you shout and you dance a little bit, that everything's okay. But that's not my job and that's not his job. I know him well enough to know this is how he preaches too. And you're hearing it on a consistent basis because God is trying to pull you out of the dysfunction that you've been living in and your walk with God. Singing in the choir and sinking all the time going down to a place to where you don't know if you're even saved because you don't have it all on the altar. It's not a place to dump your problems. It's a place to exalt your promise. It's not a place to come and say, here I am, God. Here's here's everything that's wrong with me. You, do with that. you deal with that in the wilderness. You deal with that in your prayer closet. You deal with that in your pew. But when you get up here, it's a holy, sacred place. The perfect lamb. The best duck. The best bull. How do I do it? I know I'm, I'm about to cross swords with somebody that's probably listening online. I know the the spirit of your pastor but somebody probably listened because i've heard people and and i will make a very bold statement right here and say they have made ignorant statements and say you need to get and i've heard them say it hundreds of times in our movement you need to get your education and get over it you need to get you a good job and get over it you need to get your family and get let me tell you something don't you dare get over it you get that job you get that education you get that family don't get over it get it on the altar Because God can't bless it if you get over it. God gave you that to bless it and to use it for the furtherance of his kingdom. Get it and get it all on the altar. Brother Hammonds was talking tonight about that moment when Jericho's walls fell. You know what happened? They shouted. And the walls fell. But for 40 years before they shouted, you know what they did? They slaughtered. And we got a lot of people that are trying to give God the shout without trying to go through the slaughter. They only shouted one time. But we know of at least 40 that they slaughtered. Literally, quite simply put, you come to church and you shout on Sunday and we're going to. And if, and if anybody has a problem with it, you come see me after church. I'm pretty beaning. If you got a problem with shouting, you got a problem with me. If you got a problem with dancing, you got a problem with me because it's apostolic in everything that we do. But God forbid that we ever try to shout without going through the process of the slaughter. Preacher, you don't know. You don't know how, how much stuff I got going on. You, you just don't get it. I come to church three times a week and, and I shout, but I don't, I don't have time for the slaughter and I, I'm just burnt out. I got school, I got my job, I got, I got this, I got that. No, the problem is not that you're burnt out. The problem is you're not burnt up. And you can give me those excuses of how you've got too much stuff going on in your world for you to come to church for a time of slaughter in daily prayer and daily repentance and dying daily. But let me just tell you something. The truth of the matter is, is when you say, I don't have time, is what you're saying is, I'm not willing to make time for the holy things of God. I think you know me well enough to know I'm not a mean-spirited person and I'm not trying to be mean to anybody here, but I'm trying to snatch you to the reality that you're not burnt out. The problem is you don't have it all on the altar and you're not burning up. It, they put it there and the hair and the flesh. That was the whole point. That's that's why we have to have worship, because the incense that came out of the temple was to cover up the smell of the blood and the guts and the gore that was out there on the altar. I'm going to say it again. Sacrifice isn't pretty. Sacrifice don't smell good. But I'm telling you, if you get through this process, you're going to make it into the inner court, and you're going to find that there's an altar of incense there, and that altar of incense is going to change the way you see things about sacrifice. It's going to change the way sacrifice smells to you. And when sacrifice used to stink because you went through the process and you got into the inner court, you're going to smell that incense. And now when you smell sacrifice, it's going to be a sweet smelling savor. Now when you smell sacrifice, it's going to be the blessings of the Lord. Now when you smell sacrifice. It's gonna change everything, but you gotta put it all on the altar first. That's why Paul would write to the Roman church in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and tell us present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto the Lord how's this going to change the trajectory of the church I'm going to say it again you've got some pillars in this house can I tell you I stood this morning and the Holy Ghost gave me vision there were people everywhere that were trying to pray through and there was only a handful of people, Brother Williams, that was moving through the crowd, praying people through to the Holy Ghost. So, said, well, you don't, you don't know where you're I know exactly where I'm at. You don't know what kind of church we have. Yes, I do. You've got a great church. It's a powerful church as far as I'm concerned. It's one of the best in Pentecost. But if we're really gonna have the kind of revival that God wants us to have, We gotta have more people that are really on board than what's on board right now. talk about filling this building up past capacity. You don't even know what to do if a hundred people walked in the door right now and needed the Holy Ghost. There's not a hundred people here. I'm just going to tell you, you can get mad at me if you want to, but there's not a hundred people here that are walking in dominion and power the way you need to be walking in dominion and power to hold up the hands of that man and woman of God so that they can lead this church to the next level the way God wants them to. We got to shake ourselves And take ourselves back to the altar and back through the process of killing the flesh and putting it all on the altar. God is giving this church space and a time to prepare. the greatest revival that the state of Florida has ever seen and God forbid that we miss it because we don't have enough people that have a revelation of what the sacrifice of praise is say brother Phillips I hadn't heard you preach like this I'm grieved in my spirit I'm greed in my spirit. God, I see potential here. Why do you think this man gets in this pool pit and sweats himself down to nothing every service? Because he can see the potential that you can't see. And I know him well enough to know he wouldn't say this. But Bishop, if I get out of line, you just fix it. But you want to know what scares them to death? What keeps them up at night? It's because they know What God has for here is bigger than the foundation that's been laid. That's why he's been coming to some of you and saying, come on, I need you to get on board. Come on, I need you to buy in. Come on, I can't have you wait. I can't have you outside the camp. Come on, I need you to pay attention. Come on, I need you to get serious about living for God. Come on, I need you to get in the altar and really be for real. Come on, I need you to come to the altar and not talk about the sale going on at the mall or what you Paula at Walmart. I need you to come to the altar and bring the sacrifice of praise because we count this our moment. <laughs> Yeah! I'm going to tell you something. These altars are open, but don't you dare move out of your pew until you've got some stuff right and you can get up here and really give God the sacrifice of praise. These altars are open right now, but don't you dare move until you made up in your mind. I'm willing to give it all. I'm, will, I'm preaching to somebody right now that's struggling with the standards of the church. Don't you Don't you get out of your pew and come up here to this altar until you make it up in your mind. The preacher can't preach it hard enough that I can't live it. I, I know I'm preaching to some good people tonight. Tonight, but I'm trying to pull you off the edge of the revival and purpose that God has for your life and pull you into the slap middle of what God is don't you move I'm telling you when you get up from your pew and you make your way up here you're making a commitment to do this right if you're gonna come come the right way God don't let us miss it Come on, I'm going to challenge you. Don't you come up here nonchalantly. Don't you come up here just waiting on the music. Don't you come up here just because that's what everybody else is doing. Come on, I don't want anybody looking around. I don't want you paying attention to who's here and who's not. Don't you walk up here if you're not for real. Come on. Come on, don't you walk up here if you ain't made it up in your mind. I'm giving it all. I'm giving it all. I'm giving it all. But when you're sitting there in your pew and you check off that list and you get it all together, I'm going to challenge you. Get up from where you are and make your way to the altar and give God the sacrifice of praise. Come on. It's not just the fruit of your lips. It's the root from your heart. It's you dying on the altar. Come on. Somebody's got to lay it all down. You've been chasing the Almighty. Dollar, it's time to start chasing after the Lord you've been chasing after the relationship it's time to give it all and put it on the altar Somebody's got to get a hold of the heart of the altar right now. Somebody's got to tie yourself to the altar right now. I'm wasting potential because I'm too busy, worried about everything else going on, and I'm distracted. And all the while, my pastor's trying to patch the holes and fill the gaps that I'm supposed to be filling. Come on, you're gonna run this good man and woman crazy if you don't buy in. come on come on come on come on come on come on don't linger don't linger on the outside of the camp come on some of you still got a hold of Ishmael and Isaac right now and you're trying to figure out do I really want to lay this down do I really want to give it all? Come on. Come on. We need you. We need you. The church needs you. God needs you. You can win people that nobody else can win. You can teach Bible studies nobody else can teach. Come on. We need you in the house of God. He had the most satanical. Who does that? I know what I feel in the Holy Ghost. Who does that preacher think he is? I tell you who I am. I'm an anointed man of God that came to challenge you and tell you if you don't give this right now, you might not be in church next year. Come on, God might not. The Bible says His Spirit will not always strive with man. And if you keep on holding on to Ishmael long enough, there's going to be a moment that God's going to say, "Okay, I'm done. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. I've tried to get them to make to pay the cost." but they don't want to live it they don't want to give it all come on somebody <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. you ought to let that spirit of prayer get a hold of you right now and make some decisions come on god's not gonna do this for you god's not gonna drive ishmael out for you and i'm gonna tell you in the holy ghost you're gonna go home tonight after making this decision and that same old thing's gonna pop its head back up you gotta make a decision right now on the altar it doesn't matter what happens i won't go back to living with ishmael I'm not telling the ministry of this church what to do and what not to do if you feel to lay hands on somebody and pray you go right ahead but I'm telling somebody right now that's waiting on pastor to come pray for you that's waiting on the evangelist to walk off the platform and lay hands on you that if that's your mentality you've missed it you got to do this by yourself can't nobody sacrifice for you can't nobody get rid of Ishmael for you God won't even do it for you you got to do it for yourself I'm sorry but you're not going to get any music tonight to cover up your prayer. You you you've, you've got to walk through this on your own. I'm sorry, but there ain't going to be a singer to come sing you a song tonight. That's not how it's going to go down. It's got to be you at the altar, and something has to die. Well, I know you're waiting on somebody else to pray so that you don't have to look like you got laying it all out there. But right now, you got to make it up in your mind. Am I going to let go of Ishmael or am I not? Am I going to be used by God or not? Am I going to stay in the church or not? That's why some of you have been going home and when questions are asked in your home about the standards of this church and what the ministry of this church preaches, you've you, you made statements like, well, that's not really for us. We're just gonna go to church. You better make up in your mind right now. Are you in or are you out? I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost, I'm preaching with a fervency because there's somebody in this house that you're being weighed in the balances right now. You're being weighed in the balances right now. And this service is going to decide, will you be found wanting?